You're listening to the Redeemed Sexuality Podcast, where sexuality meets discipleship. I'm your host, Drew Boa. What is sexual brokenness? On October 5th, 2017, the New York Times published an article exposing decades of sexual harassment and misconduct by famous film producer Harvey Weinstein. Three days later, this man was fired. His story snowballed into an avalanche of over 80 allegations from actresses and other women telling story after story of how Weinstein took advantage of them sexually. These events inspired others to share their experiences and sparked a global movement. The Western world is realizing that under the surface of our sophistication, something in our sexuality is broken, very broken. But what exactly has gone wrong? What's the heart of the problem? My dad likes to say a well-defined problem is half-solved but a poorly defined problem creates more problems. So in this episode, I'm going to define the problem of sexual brokenness. What is sexual brokenness? The Bible explains it like this. In chapter one, God made sexuality. In chapter two, God ordained sex. And in chapter three, humans ruined it, bringing a curse upon the whole world. The term sexual brokenness refers to this curse and its effects on sex and sexuality. I'm going to compare this curse to three things, vandalism, disease, and poverty. First, vandalism. Sexuality is like artwork, an intricate masterpiece created by God. Sexual brokenness happens when this artwork gets vandalized. Take the case of Weinstein. Over 80 women were broken by what he did to them, by no fault of their own. Their sexuality, this deep and intricate part of them, was vandalized. But Weinstein also vandalized himself, his marriage, his career, his whole life. Even before he was publicly exposed, sexual sin had already trapped him in a deep, dark pit. Here's my point. Our sexuality can be vandalized by what we do or by what has been done to us. Whether you identify more with the sin of Weinstein or the suffering of the women he wounded, we are all sexually broken. We all have damage and we all need restoration. In the words of my friend Lori Krieg, all are fallen, all are loved. But not all of us feel broken. Some of us have never struggled with our sexuality. We've kept the rules, we've never been vandalized in any obvious way, so we feel like we're just fine. In my own case, I have good reasons to say my sexuality is perfectly healthy now, but if you could see into my heart, you would find lingering lust, traces of shame about my body, and recurring self-absorption. My sexual brokenness may not be as obvious as yours, but it's still there. It may lie dormant for the most part, but I'm still a carrier, and so are you. You see, sexual brokenness is not always as dramatic or sudden as acts of vandalism. It also behaves like a disease, silently, secretly, developing over time. We inherit it as children, whether we like it or not, and not talking about this disease doesn't make it any less contagious. In fact, it only increases the shame. If you grew up in a family that didn't talk openly about sex and sexuality, you may have struggled all alone or assumed you were the only one broken. In reality, our friends and family members who appear sexually strong and healthy on the outside are often struggling in silence on the inside. They've learned to keep their sickness a secret, and they hide it well. After all, diseases can be hard to detect. We usually don't even realize we're sick until symptoms start showing up and interfering with our lives. 
So what are the symptoms of broken sexuality? What signs should we look for in ourselves and others? You know your sexuality is broken when it drives you down into fear, shame, and isolation. On the other hand, you know your sexuality is healthy when it lifts you up into love, joy, and intimacy with others. But staying sexually healthy and holy actually takes hard work, whether you're single or married. On the other hand, drifting into sexual sin is easy. It can happen in a heartbeat, but it can take a lifetime to heal. Viewing sexual brokenness as a disease gives us more compassion for those who are unwell. Take Weinstein, for example. While he may seem like a heartless monster, underneath his sin, there is a very sick man who needs help. He didn't start out as a sex offender, but over time, his heart and mind became more and more infected because sexual brokenness is a degenerative disease. It sinks in deeper and deeper until it destroys us if we leave it unaddressed. So far, I've described sexual brokenness as damage and disease, but these metaphors still miss something important because the problem is more than physical. It's relational. In fact, I would argue that the core of sexual brokenness is a kind of poverty, a relational poverty. It's not just the presence of something bad, but the absence of something good, of strong, healthy relationships. Just like poverty is not ultimately about financial resources, sexual brokenness is not ultimately about sex. It's about impoverished relationships with God, others, ourselves, and the world around us. Most people don't see this bigger picture, so they fixate on one or two parts rather than the whole. But it's a whole life problem, so it requires a whole life solution. It has a spiritual side to it, lacking a deep love relationship with God. And a social side, a lack of close friendships where we can be real, vulnerable, and known. There's a psychological side, wounds we received in childhood, unresolved trauma, disordered ways of thinking and processing our emotions. There's an intellectual side, a lack of solid sexual education. There's often a biological side, a lack of self-care for our physical needs. And, of course, an environmental side, systems in our daily lives that trigger us and keep us trapped. Each of these areas is an important piece of the bigger picture of how we relate to God, others, ourselves, and the world around us. And when you understand this, you see that sexual brokenness is a lot like poverty. It's multifaceted. It's complex. If there was a one-size-fits-all cure, we would have it by now, and there would be no problem. As it is, sexual brokenness is all around us and within us. But there is hope. Vandalized artwork can be restored. Diseases can be cured, and poverty can be alleviated and even eliminated, although that process is never easy or quick. Like poverty, sexual brokenness requires an immersive process of restoration. For the women Weinstein wounded, that process needs to have space for grief, anger, and lament. For Weinstein himself, there needs to be a solid structure for sexual sobriety, a system of support and accountability. In both cases, recovery will take them on a difficult journey. It takes time and work and strong relationships to bring back sexuality's original goodness and beauty. And the best person to do that, to recreate the masterpiece, is the one who designed it in the first place. God is the one who created your sexuality, and God is the one who can heal it. Whether you're dealing with sexual addiction, abuse, or anything in between, there is hope for you. Healing is possible through the presence of Jesus and the power of His Spirit. 
He has come to reverse the curse and to make our sexuality a blessing again instead of a burden. St. Augustine, well known for his own sexual brokenness, once argued that if something is broken, it must be good. Unless it's inherently good and valuable in some way, there would be nothing to break, nothing to damage. So the very brokenness of our sexuality actually reveals just how good and awesome it is. The heart of our problem with sexuality is not just a moral failure to keep ourselves in check. It's not just sin in need of repentance. It's brokenness in need of healing. And that very term, brokenness, contains within it the concept that there is something good and valuable worth redeeming. In the middle of our brokenness, just as we are, sinful and sinned against, vandalized, diseased, impoverished, however far away we may be from God's original design, he doesn't condemn us. He comes to us. In the Gospels, we see how Jesus is not deterred by sexually broken people. He's drawn to us. He has compassion on us, and he calls us his beloved. Where do you see traces of sexual brokenness in your story 